Hello and welcome to When Will It End? It's the movie podcast where two fellas, Josh and Charles. Hi, Charles. That's me. Hey. We watch a whole series of movies. We ask ourselves, is these good movies? Is this series good series? Is it good at beginning? How is it in middle? What's it like at the end? And today, sadly, and I say this with genuine remorse, because baby, as as Joni sang, Don and on it seemed to go. That you don't know what you cube till it's zero. Mm. They put him in a cube. Did surgery to make him rain, man. I was in uh, Maine over the weekend for a refreshing spiritual getaway. And I will say the State Theater in Portland, the marquee currently says, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Wow. That's what I would expect from the State Theater. Twist the knife a little bit, for Christ's sake. We get it. This shit sucks. Well, maybe they watched Cube Zero and was like really into the torture and the mayhem and the violence. And they just wanted to embody that with a, a cruel reminder of where we are in 2021 and where we might be for historical purposes if you're listening to this as part of a class on me or charles probably me uh, we're talking about the covid19 pandemic wait 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 you don't you think that you award-winning journalist man in the yellow office would be more taught in schools than charles hobby man about town Rock on tour? I mean, to be fair, you are a raconteur, I was about to say. You're a bon vivant. Uh, you're right, honestly. I'm a jack of all trades. About me, famous journalist Josh Landis, or you. Uh, Award uh, winning. Right the party, what the Charles fuck? Why would you ever say journalist and not use that as an opportunity to call yourself an award winning journalist? Well, the only award I want to give today is a trophy to the friggin' cube verse, because I am, man, my heart is heavy today. Yeah. To say goodbye to this verse. We, we're it's talking. A great verse. It's been 17 long years since Cube Zero. The the third. People call this a prequel, but I don't really know if it counts as a. Pre- I think that's a liberal interpretation. It's it's pretty deliberately vague as to when Cube Zero happened. Right. So the only reason why you can say this is a is a prequel is because it's called Cube Zero, and I think we have to as as. Uh, I say this a lot, but we're, you know, we're experts. We're fucking diving into franchises, and you have to. The first thing you get, Josh, what is that? What do you, what do you think the first thing you get when you watch a movie? Uh, I mean, hopefully, uh, a trigger warning. Okay, yeah, but then maybe after the trigger, or maybe even before. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one oh, more an, shot an, at this. An, MP, an MPAA rating screen that explains why right. it's... Uh, yeah, yeah been given the designation that it's uh i mean i can see this question was a little vague i'm sorry i was thinking the title the title very important well, hold on some of my favorite movies the title you gotta ding ding on wait a few minutes for that thing remember right. raising arizona you gotta you know uh, ooh, I, I remember you gotta wait some time for that title but it's worth it yeah and i think like con air where as i recall the title is somewhat surprising they're like in like in an office or something I guess my point is you go into the. It's rare when you go into a movie not knowing the name of the movie you're going into, whether you saw it in the title, you saw it in the Netflix poofer. Uh, you know, it's it's the title is the first entryway into your movie. It's like how they say that the eyes are the window to the soul, right? Just like that. And I'm sure the title and how you can't make a first impression twice, right? But in- but actually, with surgery or chloroform, you can't. Well, and also I think in Cube, Hypercube, you could attempt it. You could attempt to, to somehow use the time dilation room or the slowdown room or one of those rooms to try to do that. But anyway, my point is we know this is a prequel only because it's called Cube Zero, which we have to assume the zero means it's, 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 it's the zeroth entry into this Cube verse. The Omega, if you will. Sure. Well, more of the alpha. Omega is the last one. Oh, it is. Sorry, I'm not. I don't know that. I, mean, I thought because it, it was starts with an O. The O was a zero. I'm not joking. That's what my my mind. I mean, here's the that's thing. That's how I explain that to myself. The alphabet. I'm not proud of that. The alphabet begins at A and ends at Z, or begins at alpha and ends at omega. I think the cube verse used numbers is a pretty good way to call this cube zero, which takes place before one, rather than omega, which is maybe the last letter, rather. Than, uh, now I'm all confused. Now I'm now I'm gone. I'm just look at this giant cup of water I got here. Look at this giant cup of water. Charles has been showing this off even before we started. He just has a large mason jar full of seltzer that he's waving around. But like <laughs> it's that's very not dangerous. That wild. It's just it's very oh, dangerous. Yeah, the suspense. 
everyone set your watches. There'll be seltzer all over that. Charles has 14 versions of the same hoodie from his work because he's so fucking cheap. Yeah. But yes, Charles is extremely proud of his large mason jar. So, so the cool thing um, about mason jars is it tells the thrill you that I have of watching my co-host hold a large jar of liquid. It tells you not only how many ounces slash cups you have, but it also gives you the the leaders section of the mason jar. Is there still a leaders section? There's the cup ounces. That's every fucking mason jar. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm coming. I'm over three cups. I'm over. Imagine if I could hit a button, it would melt all of the information off of your mason jar, like in Cube Zero. No! How cool that would be. Do you like the little mate movie I made to show everyone that we were coming in late today? No, I have not watched it. I sent it to you. Where? On Facebook Messenger, the tool we are currently using to talk to each other. I'm a busy guy. I'm not constantly looking out for messages from you. It's forty. It's the four, world doesn't revolve around you. So okay, it's we're, forty-five seconds. That's forty-five seconds of valuable time I could be using to nap or do journalisms or eat soup. All things. I'm sorry, today. you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, we're speaking today about 2004 uh, Cube Zero. It's the third and final installation in the Cube trilogy, uh, the the Canadian science fiction tight ninety one two three punch that we have so fallen in love with. It's written and directed by Ernie Barberish. Barberish. We haven't really settled on that. No, we did. He, think, uh, okay, Josh, Josh, think of a pirate. Now say it. Barberish. There you go. That's it. Barberish. Oh, he was the he was a producer on Hypercube. That's the connection there. He was there, a writer, too, right? Didn't he write Cube, Hypercube? Let's find out. We probably could have done this before. Why does IMDb make this so complicated these days? Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia is my new IMDb. To be honest. Wow. Yeah, I know. No, he's a producer. So Ernie Ernie produced Cube 2 colon Hypercube and said, you know what, baby? I've got a taste for Cuban. There's I've got a there, there's there's cubes to be made, and baby, I'm gonna go about to make this next one myself. Right. He he heard about this uh the marsupial from down under making cubes, and he says, Maybe I could emulate one of those little fuckers. He was like, I'm gonna make like a wombat and shit out of cube. And he did. Yeah, he definitely shit this one out. Um, I liked it. Maybe you remember him from Too Close for Christmas. I don't remember that. Well, oh. Are you, would you have watched that growing up at all? Well, I'm Jewish, so right, we, we did not watch a lot of, I think maybe Miracle on 34th Street or some like classic old movies. That's the one with a little ugly baby that finds Santa Claus in the streets? Uh, all I remember is the climactic court scene where- Wait, in, what? In, 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 an admittedly dubious- measure they like dump out all the letters to santa claus to prove the santa is real oh this is the one where the santa goes on trial yeah for what he's a pederast and then he's he's chemically castrated at the end yeah okay so cube zero let's talk about the pitfalls that we often find in movie series i think something we often encounter is that when people make efforts to expand the universe of a given film series or franchise they can at times get into territory that feels like it's entirely lost in an effort to broaden the world. Mm. They end up losing the character of what makes the original idea so interesting. And we've got so many examples of this from making Terminator more approachable in Terminator 2 to making RoboCop even less empathetic and less emotional in RoboCop 2. Right. Pretty like major structural changes that gives you the same general outline of something, but fills it in an entirely inauthentic way that that takes you out of that world that you've come to enjoy. And I think that the other way to do it, but is uh, when you're dealing, I've noticed comedies that we've watched a lot end up just like, rather than trying to broaden the world, they end up failing because they narrow things down too much and basically just recreate the same thing. Like Austin Powers, the Harold and Kumar and Scary Movie are, I think, big examples of just like rehashing to the point where there wasn't even, there's no point in making a second one. Or, or the, the the thing where there's like a the second one is such a blown out mess. The third one is like, well, we're going back to basics, baby. Right. Like the, there's there's some of these beats that become very predictable. What I find so impressive about Cube Zero is that in some ways it is a after the 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 absolutely dizzying heights of cube two colon hypercube and its exploration of cgi and the quantum realm etc in a way this is a back, back to basics in that we're you know dudes getting sprayed with 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 acid and have their friggin' skins and faces all melting off and people getting injected with horrible illnesses and such and their their faces melting off 
uh, skin as well. Um, so there's that element of it. But, you know, I, I think on paper, if you were like, hey, in Cube Zero, we finally see who's running the cube sort of. I think it'd be very easy to be like, oh, boy, right. this can't be good. That's like, not it's what very, we want. I think it'd be so easy to, to lapse into cynicism and to be like, are they going to try to overexplain things and take away all the fun mystery of the cube verse? And they thread the needle so well in this movie where essentially instead of some sort of aerial view of the cube, we just – take the camera back one frame and see essentially the cube around the cube, Mm. the the sad, desperate bureaucrats who themselves look very much like prisoners. And we're led to believe could very well be prisoners who carry out the the basic mundane operations of cube maintenance, the the day-to-day cubing that has to happen. And it's brilliant. I I genuinely think this is a brilliant movie. I want to hear more from you. I think than I want to hear from me today because I found certain elements of cube zero to be, so episodic, mundane, and just sort of cloying and goofy and dumb that ultimately I I would sort of put this as a mediocre sequel. Uh, yeah, sequel in a franchise. But I, I'm sorry, I'm just curious what you enjoyed about. It. I love that the traps are back. For me, my main problem with this movie is the fucking kid, and I think they split the time between the two. As you, I love the way you said, like, they're just out, we're just out one cube, we're still inside the cube, but unfortunately that means that they had to split the time so 50-50 between the people in the cube and the people outside of the cube that I didn't really actually end up getting the same anxiety and dread and craziness that the just one group of people trying to escape the cube brought me from the earlier two movies in the franchise. Well, in my mind, I liked that with the Canadian Taron Killam, a.k.a. Zachary Bennett, playing the... It's too smart for his own good guy who's watching the the machinations of the cube with his uh, boring supervisor who's kind of a dick who tries to beat him in chess but just can't get around to it. I like that dynamic of like who are the basic office busybodies who have to conduct this business. Like I think it would be so easy to be like, oh, the cube, it's so opaque. It's so mysterious and emotionless and and it's uh, a cliff face with no – with nowhere to get our little fingies and nails in. And in this, it's like, no, it's like any other system. Run it like with the same boring day-to-dayness of a Walmart delivery or, you know, I've got a, an office mailroom. A pretty, I think, apt description of Cube Zero. Can I lay it on you? I mean, this this is a podcast where we discuss the film Cube okay. Zero. So I would say there is no better place to do that than right here and right now, baby. All right. Thanks. Um, Kafka-esque. Low-hanging fruit there. I I spent part of my weekend uh, leading up to watching Cube Zero. I was reading some Borges. I I got a cheap copy of uh, Labyrinths by Borges, the famous Argentinian writer. Mm -hmm. And as the title suggests, he's obsessed with labyrinths and what it means to create systems that we are trapped in, that we have created for ourselves. And, you know, man – what a great way to to, to key up a, a freaking cube movie than to dive into some mid twentieth century uh, explorations of the traps we lay for ourselves and how our imaginations and how th- these artificial constructs can actually subsume reality itself. So I, I was definitely in that mindset to watch a movie like Cube Zero. That's cool. I was I just started reading um, American Psycho before this watch, and I think that also in a very different way allowed me access to capitalist nightmare america you know i think that's one of the things i really loved about the first one and the second one is that our main hero or one of the heroes of the movie escapes the cube and i think that the first one did so marvelously is that he walks out into whiteness but ultimately we don't really get a sense that there's anything better i mean the cube sucks obviously it's a it's a torturous trap laden cube upon cube upon cube but I think what they did through their discussion of philosophy and politics in the movie, they showed us that, like, wow, we're all sort of stuck in these cubes. It's like when our main character is shot in the head after escaping the cube. And I think what the third one really fails to accomplish is it allows the mother and daughter to reconnect at the end in the woods. It's just oh, sort of like you're just you're just a cold blooded cynic. You talk about the kid as if the kid is based on what if no one if people haven't seen this movie they're like oh the kid must be constantly showing <laughs> no, up. The kid's barely. But in that the makes movie. it even worse. I mean, I it's sort of I hate 
uh, aliens because of Newt, but like at least Newt's a character. Here we have like a woman stripped of her child who doesn't have a name or a presence in the movie and is just used to show you what this person wants back from the world and that she ultimately well, gets hold on. it. You're, you're talking about making emotional stakes and I think that that's, look, okay. But that's fake my, emotional my stakes. Emotional fakes, I'd call them. The whole movie is fake. That's a construct. That's why we like them so much. Um, I would argue that the, the the major concept in this movie is that of compliance. Like what does it mean for the people who yes and the system every day at its most granular level? So, you know, Eric and Dodd, Wynn and Dodd, the two guys sitting in the room, they're like, look, these people are in there for a reason. They've signed these consent forms. This is – you know, they, they quell their own moral misgivings with this justification, with this process of making it all right for themselves to be a part of this system. And yeah. I think that's what this movie is experimenting. So yes, the fact that you know, Reigns has a daughter, the fact that she may be there against her will – spoiler, she is. Everyone is, it turns out. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I can't fault them for that. I think that's – how else would you make someone like Wynn change his mind about the system? Mm, well, here's, to be like, wait, this is a, a mother with a, with a daughter, with a life, and she has no consent form. I, I, that this is wrong. This is the first piece of evidence that what I'm doing is wrong. Well, and I'll answer that question. I think this movie could have been greatly improved by never entering the cube. I think basically we are given some – cheap misogynist bullshit by having like the chauvinist man learn his lesson because he wants to rescue the pretty lady from the cube and return her you know what don't mind me i will go die in the forest you go ahead and find your daughter who's also just been hiding in the forest for the entire time she's been in there that's such a cynical read on this because he sacrifices himself for somebody else just as his his colleague dodd sacrifices him Right, and so that's what I'm saying. And, I, and the point is that these, there is like a recourse. Like it's not like this moral dead end to be involved in the system. You can still do meaningful things despite being cogs in this this massive machine. Right. I mean, that, I don't think that's cheap. I think that that's that's kind of a powerful message, especially because we've been talking about it through these movies. What does it mean to to live in an imperial state? To live in a capitalist state? To live in a white supremacist state? And not and feel like you have no agency because it's such a you know. This faceless, massive entity that we can't dismantle casually. So I don't know. I think that this shows that our direct actions people can take to change that. And I love him going in. That's so cool. Like they they put a cube expert in the cube. Oh, it's great. We haven't we haven't talked about Jax yet. Oh my god. Okay. No, we're (laughs) we will definitely talk about Jax. I want to also talk about the basic plot too before we get too far down. But I think I I think you're right. I think ultimately what I loved about this movie was the two dudes controlling the cube and i think this movie could have worked as successfully if you had just had them like you know in uh, cabin in the woods you got the two guys who run the thing you speak of course of the bradley whitford and richard jenkins yeah. uh, duo and uh, yeah i definitely the fact that this comes out so far before that is, right you know not lost on me no no and actually I th- i'm sure that was part of the reference was i think specifically cube zero was the inspiration for those two characters in Cabin in the Woods. But either way... Well, hold on. Of course, also, Cabin in the Woods, a movie that I love, also has a cube system, right. which is one of the best references in the <laughs> yeah. movie. Um, I, I just think that this movie, I want to see a more adventurous cut where it's entirely about these two guys. In the same way that the first movie and the second movie were about people stuck in the cube, I like this idea that they're not prisoners, as you might have suggested earlier. I think that's pretty clear that they're workers and they're just sort of they, I like that they're under the idea that everyone who enters the cube has signed a consent form because they're on death row and they'd rather be in the cube than be just murdered by the state. And I, I think that seeing them interact sort of like, you know, a two-man play, a three-act, as it were. This is so ridiculous. So first off, you, Josh, you, 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 on a ridiculous you casually, podcast. You casually toss out the idea of Wynn helping out a woman as misogynistic before being like, you know what makes the movie better? Getting rid of the woman character no, entirely. No, I'm not saying you get rid of the woman character entirely. You show everyone in the cube as just people in the cube. And you know what, Josh? Maybe this cube was, was back in 2005 or whatever, 2004. It was released in 2004 at Screamfest. Maybe the 2018 Ooh. remake of Cube Zero, Cube Zero Squared or something, could have had all girls in it. 
You know, hey, a minute ago, that's a that's a beautiful thought. Thank I you. Think that yeah. you should be applauded for thinking it. Thank you. You were mentioning that you read uh, Brett Easton Ellis's American Psycho. Didn't Brett Easton Ellis write the book this is based on? Less than Cube Zero. Oh, I read that one too. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't mention that. I read that before uh, this one. And you know that that Ernie worked on uh, American Psycho, the movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was a co- he was a co producer. Yeah, he's he's had his little fingers in all sorts of stuff. He's actually uh, for a person who I've never now that I know his name, I'm happy for it. Barbarash. Her. You know, it's on the on the IMDb page. There's an image of Ryan Reynolds with blood all over his face, and it says the awesome Ryan Reynolds movie that nobody talks about. Which one? Which one? Should I find out? Yeah, click on it. Click on it. This is a ZergNet.com class. Oh, that's right. Because I, I, have... I hope it's Deadpool too. <laughs> <laughs> no one's talking about the sequel, baby. Wow. I love that you still have ads on. You don't use an ad blocker, so you get to see all this cool ZergNet shit. Well, I'm at shit. my work computer. Uh, the Voices. Wow. Right. It's a dark story, but a serial killer told through his perspective. Imagine a, a Ryan Reynolds movie where like it's dark and shit, but he's being like fucking funny the whole time. God, that's that sounds good. I, don't you think it's sort of ironic that a movie called The Voices isn't talked about? <laughs> it went unheard. Uh, no, no one heard this friggin' voice. <laughs> uh, okay, so we, we've got to talk about uh, Cube Zero. I liked it more than you did. That's fine. Um, a couple major things we must discuss: the absolute pinnacle of world building, some of the best world building we've ever seen on the podcast, and I'm certain you agree with me, is that we finally see the cube exit procedure. This was a scene that stuck with me since I first saw it many years ago. It is a bravura piece of world building. We finally see what happens if and when you escape the cube. And Charles, I'm, I'm going to let you set the stage here. What what happens when you finally get out of the cube? Well, if you'd watched the little short 45-second video that I sent you. Oh, my God. Stop making this about your little sob story, but I don't watch your dumb if video. If you'd watched my dumb video, you'd know that I really like that scene because <sighs> in the- Everyone does. Yeah, I, I, I made you the the guy in charge. I mean, I made me the chess guy, and I made our listeners the guy strapped and chained waiting to get out. Waiting for the next episode of When Will It End? It's sort of it was, it was pretty funny. It's pretty funny stuff. Wes, well, a pat on your back, my friend. Thank now, you. would you talk about the actual scene? Um, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I remember you referenced this years ago on some episode of this show where you're like, one of your favorite moments of a movie is in Cube Zero when a guy's asked if he believes in God and he says no and gets blasted by fire. But I like. There's so many cool parts about this. One is that uh, the guy in charge needs somebody else. Sort of how like. You're heard, you like you hear the stories about like firing squads, only half the people have bullets so that you can always pretend that you weren't the one that killed somebody. And I like that they're like, the system is a cog, is a machine of people doing this thing that they don't really understand. And they sort of hate, but ultimately they always have someone else to blame for the murders that they're a part of. And, and that's beautifully uh, explored in this one moment where Wynn is afraid to hit the yes button or the no button, rather. So Dodd slams his hand down. Right. So did Wynn press it? Did Dodd press it? Did they both press it? They're both complicit. You know, it's it, it's a, a little moment that captures that exact idea that you're talking about. Yeah. So it's awesome. So basically, this is this is their coworker, the person that we're never explained. He he is either on vacation or out sick. Oh, but wait, no, he's just running around in the cube, slowly dying. And then he comes to the exit, he finally makes it out, and uh, Wynn, what are their names, Wynn and Dodd? Yeah, Dodd is the uh, unimaginative, mean, bald guy, and Wynn is the Canadian Terran Killam. Yeah, I made you Dodd, just, just so you know. You're Dodd. Thank you. I'm touched by that. What a charming and lovable... He's played by uh, David Hubbard. Who's that? And Hubbard feels like... like a cute thing you would instead of husband like hubbin yeah hubbin yeah that's... like like many of the canadians in this series he is 90 percent known for uh th- being in this movie i do love that that's one of oh, the he's most... on uh he's on twitter and he he has got 414 followers i'm gonna make it 415 hell yeah he's a member he's a second city alum so he, so he's probably a funny guy Oh, he's great. He's he's awesome in this movie. Both I think that's why this movie works so well. He's got a dog named that, Izzy. Okay. Uh it works so well cuz Win and Dodd are really good. Like I think for the amount of screen time that they both get, this movie would have sucked if they'd gotten some of the previous actors to try to take on the weight of being the people watching the computer screens inside the cube. 
And also, it's hard to act when you're just reacting to screens. And and they, I think, really sell the paranoia and the weirdness of the bunker life that they're living. Oh, yeah. I love the little accents of him, like, drawing. I love the things where, like, the opening shot is of a man belting. And the and Dodd's like, wow, did you watch that one? And Wynn's like, nah, I don't really watch these anymore. And just, like, right out of the gate, you know that they're just sort of, like, jaded in the same way that someone watching Cube 3 might be jaded. And those people should be doused in acid until they friggin' melt off their dang bones. Hey, I want to point something out. Everyone's like, oh, the Queen's Gambit. The girl takes speed and plays chess in her mind. Yeah, that's a fucking ripoff of this movie where Wynn looks at the page and the friggin' chess guys move around all in their lonesome. And then it comes... So, it comes. I liked that scene without knowing that they were going to use it later where he's like... I, first of all, the currency of chess in this movie is amazing. The way that chess becomes like one of the most important ways in which uh, Win and Dodd communicate and trade and barter and learn. It's like everything is chess related until uh, Win decides to go back into the cube or go into the cube. Well, I, th- I think there's this idea that like they're part of this incredibly regulated system and everything they do is part of this give and take and that all leads up to like the ultimate sacrifice being made for each other. Yeah. And like they, they put aside that, that, you know, very regulated back and forth for something really beautiful. And I, I think that, that particularly David Hubbins acting around uh, when he decides to f- go whole hog and save win and obviously set himself up for a uh, paralyzed evisceration by Jax, who we still have not introduced yet. It's okay. Because, oh, he's boy. He's coming in the, in the a, final third. What a delicious, delicious <laughs> snack is Jax. Um, you know, I I really have, I imagine that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis would come out of retirement. That's exactly, <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I want him to come out of retirement to do the remake of Cube whenever that's made and play Jax. I think he would be brilliant. He would fucking cut his eye out of his head and actually replace it with a cybernetic tool, but still say, I want to see on the screen with my God-given eye. Oh, Jax. Well, we're going to come back to Jax. I think Jax is... The, the great Michael Riley, the, the Canadian DDL. And I don't want to sell Michael short because, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, is a powerhouse in the acting world. Michael did a great job. I just sort of imagined... I don't know why. It was his hair... It was the way he stalked around. I don't know. It just was like... I'm a cube man. It was like Gangs of this New York meets Phantom Thread. This is Finn. My boy. Okay, but hold on. We, we just didn't fully hit this. I just want to hit it one last time. When you finally make it out of the cube, you're put into shackles, asked if you believe in God, and if you say no, you are blasted with a fucking flamethrower until you're a charred corpse steaming in the nothingness. And the greatest and, and touch we, of that scene is that uh, when asked Dodd, well, what happens if they say yes? And he's just like, well, no, no one's ever done that. And it's like, that's the idea that the cube is so fucking awful. Like, that's basically, who knows if that's what they're actually testing, but like, one of the side effects of being in the cube is that you no longer believe in any sort of God. Well, I mean, again, you think about it, and it's like, to go back to that foundational idea of the labyrinth or something, you know, I, I one, one of the many great Borges stories I read, and I want to try to... Read it aloud not, on the show? Uh... It's a bit long for that. No, yeah, we got time. We got a half it's hour. A bit, a bit long. But uh, so his famous story, Talon Akbar Orbis Teratus, uh, Terius, excuse me. Uh, basically, that's a short story about, uh, and it, it's it's done in the style of him writing an actual article from his experience. Him and his friend come across a story about a land they never heard about called Ukbar in one volume of an encyclopedia that doesn't show up in any other volumes of the encyclopedia. Oh, and basically right. they read they stumbled over yeah. right. This you know, basically these people have created a universe including a planet wide history and upon its dissemination quietly into the world that eventually overwhelms and takes over the reality as we know it. And, and our experience as earthlings and, and it's entirely, you know, consumed by this myth or, you know, uh, the library of Babel where he writes about, you know, these librarians, this infinite library trying to find meeting amidst endless volumes of books that all contain the same characters in different orders. I mean, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, the ability to create these all consuming cosmoses in a teacup essentially. So when you think about getting to the end of cube, 
where you have no agency. All you can do is try to survive as desperately as possible. I mean, I don't know. It is kind of fascinating because the, 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 in the ongoing discussion of philosophy that these movies suggest, I mean, how could you – I mean, like one Jewish reaction to the Holocaust was to say, well, there is no God. How could there – you know, clearly, there, is there any more proof – that there isn't a God than this. I mean, so this this idea of, of the, the limits and extremities of the human experience uh, making it impossible to consider some sort of other force. I mean, we're so good at making hell on earth that, that why, why would you need a God to, to, to deal out justice or to deal out punishment when we can do that incredibly well all on our own? Yeah. I think that's what that scene, I think if that, that scene is one of the best scenes in the movie because it really shows like even at the end of the nightmare of just like throwing your boot into hundreds of cubes the success of solving the puzzle of the cube is met with just talking to some losers answering dumb questions that like a question like an exit questionnaire and if you answer wrong you just are burned to death and it's just it's it's an amazing I think what the first two movies really over talk about philosophy and they do it in ways where it's not that bad because it's so vague and they're all wrong and it doesn't ultimately matter. But I think this one, one of its biggest successes is that it gets you thinking about all these same philosophical ideas without any of the characters actually really talking about it that much. With that, we have to talk about Jax. I insist we turn the page. He's my MVP. Yeah, he's my MVP. He's my MVP. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> he's my MVP. Oh my god! This movie god. would have been strange without him. I can't imagine a Jaxless. So set this. Set the stage. What we got here? So we. I think if people probably aren't watching this movie just to keep up with the podcast. So I think a brief plot summary to prepare us for the arrival of Jax is in order. Sure. Okay. So uh, once again, we wake up in the cube, and another French seeming guy. Dies horribly. It's yeah. great. Oh, wait. Can I interrupt real quick just to say that this is my favorite cube. Not my favorite cube movie, but this cube is the best. I think Hypercube is a little hard to pin down like in terms of its aesthetic, and there's not much personality to the Hypercube. That's my, Hypercube is my favorite cube, just for what it's Okay, worth. that's fine. But I love the Hypercube, yeah. but I love that this prequel probably makes this cube look a little shittier. It's sort of like the anti-episode one where everyone's like, why are these ships so shiny? Even though they're so old compared to episodes four, five, and six. This did a great job of like making a believably sub, like pre-version of the cube, like cube beta. But the design is amazing. Just like making the circle holes rather than square holes. The way they climb well, up the walls. Well, just to get this out of the way, I would say, yes, this is, I would rank the cubes themselves Two, three, one. Yeah, I would say three. Personally. You're, I'm going three, two, one. Okay, that's fair. I think those are both, uh, I think we've done a good job with ranking the cubes. Right. So That's amazing. Should we just stop? No, yeah. no, no. We got more. We got more no. to do. We, we haven't talked about Jax yet. Okay, so basically two major things happen that make Win flip over from being an active participant in the procedure of the cube to entering the cube in an attempt to stop the system and save Reigns. The first is he realizes she, she does not have a consent form, <laughs> and he sort of realizes that she seems to be a government dissident who is a critic of the whatever is going on in the wider world, which, again, we learn almost nothing about, and – that coupled with the exit procedure where he realizes that this truly is, you know, there's no escaping. And he asked the amazing question, does something different happen if you press yes? Right. Because, the, you know, the two buttons are right next to each other on the same flamethrower <laughs> device. So, you know, he basically between between the, the lack of a consent form for one of the participants and the exit procedure, he's like, absolutely fuck this i'm gonna go in i'm gonna use my smarts and i'm gonna save this lady because i don't think she's in there for the right reasons and and in fact this whole thing seems like a complete fucking jack off at that point some sort of alarm bell goes off and they send in the big guns baby and for that i mean jacks and his boys so okay so the first cubes don't prepare you for Cube Zero really in any way. And neither does the first half of Cube Zero prepare you for the arrival of Jax because you're still like... Well, nothing could prepare you for Jax. I want to make that extremely clear. I'm not going to pin that on the movie. Well, I'm just saying like in another movie, you know, you might expect for the shaggy-haired, crazy-eyed lunatic to show up and start barking around orders. 
but I don't know. This is like very subdued. Even the the traps are really cool. The the death is really intense, but everything else is very mundane. Like uh, when uh, what I need to get some character names in front of me here. When Reigns spits on Haskell, his response is like just like. Why'd you do that? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Yeah. It's like it's a great spit, by the way. She oh. nails that. Um, but everything is so just like subdued, other than the death, you're like, okay, this is gonna be like a low-key character movie surrounded by insane action. But then Jack shows up and it's just like the most bonkers character, just like eating the scenery, eating ham sandwiches. I, just- I would say <laughs> He both explodes and oozes into the scene. <laughs> right, because he slinks around. He's like hunched over. He's got a cane. He's rolling those shoulders. It's kind of like a DDL meets Pacino, I would say. Like, Scent of a Woman era Pacino meets, like, There Will Be Blood era DDL. It's just a lot, but I think it's the perfect amount of, like, you know, it would be so boring if someone just polished and and dead-eyed and you know, Flinty showed up just to be stoic and to carry out the mission. Right. But Jax is like, look, this is fucking stupid. We're doing, we're obviously doing this for bad reasons. I'm obviously a bad guy. I'm like, I, I, you know, I love it. He just shows up and he's like, oh yes, we're keeping the world safe for democracy or something. Who knows? Whatever. Okay. Let's torture some motherfuckers. Like, it's just delightful. Every line he says is like, seems like it should be some dumb cliche, but Jack sells it. Jax could sell me anything he wanted. Anything he had on him, I would buy it from him. He's a genius. Like, I don't know, was, did you have like a famous a favorite scene or did you have like just the 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 time the the time you spent with Jax was just every second was worthwhile. I mean, let me see. One one of my uh one of my favorite parts was uh, this is uh helpfully on uh on the on the on the, on the IMDb, but when when Dodd swallows the power coupling it's amazing. Required to keep the station running. Uh, he goes, cute and rather cliche in an endearing sort of way. Unfortunately, I do believe there's a penalty, a rather strict penalty for sabotaging state property. And he like blows dust from a pen. <laughs> and, right. was, and you're like, the what pen. the fuck? So he's been spinning that pen around for the whole movie. And then suddenly we realize yeah. it's like, like poison darts. It's a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he goes, ooh, instant paralysis. They weren't kidding, were they? And then he like whips out like this incredibly horrifying curved knife and goes, However, not to worry, Mr. Dodd, you will still be able to feel. And then he's just like ripping into him. (laughs) It's incredible. Jax is what every Cube movie I think needed. And I think that's, I mean, maybe, no, that's totally, that's fucked up. No, every Cube movie was good in its own way, but that's what Cube Zero needed. Well, in 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 the other movies, we have villains who are usually people being pushed to an extreme, like Quentin, like the private eye in the last movie, Simon, um, like Haskell when he gets activated to be the killer machine ro- soldier robot guy in this movie. But th- they're all victims of circumstance. Jax is a pure villain. He shows up and is just evil. Nothing like but it's no, his that's, choice. So, he relishes it. There's one moment, and it's when he gets a call from his boss where he realizes that he is also a man of circumstance, where he has, in the same way that the people are oppressed by the cube, he is a cog in the machine. He has people that he's scared of. He has people that he has to obey. And that scene, I think without that scene, he would have just been like this crazy over-the-top villain. But that just like sold him as one more step in the line of the cube. Well, And also, it's, it's crucial because, again, if you were to read on paper, oh, God, they show us what it's like outside the cube, it sounds like it's just fraught from the get-go. But this is saying, like, no, you have no idea how high up this goes. You have no idea what the dimensions of this are. Like, Jax, while he may be the most villainous, most authoritative guy we've seen so far, he's nowhere near the top. No. It's it's just great world building. The problem, I think, again, to bring up my one complaint, is that they show you outside the entire cube, which is the nondescript forest by the pond. And that, for me, is when it really, like, feels like an episode of Stargate or something where it just like looks cheap, feels cheap, and feels wrong. I don't think I ever wanted to see the forest by the pond. I mean, that's your license, and I, I, I can understand that. Um, that said, 
I think the final scenes of this movie are so fucking good and so like thrilling and genuinely twisted that I, I think you only really get there with that. So I think it's, I, it didn't offend me. I don't mind it at all. Um, after uh, Wynn manages to escape with Reigns, he, he lets her go and, and takes the L and gets tranquilized, shot with a dart. And uh, he wakes up uh, about to get some old brain surgery, baby. That's strapped to a gurney in a big old room. There's a scary-ass uh, surgeon guy. And Jax is like, guess what, bitch? I'm going to turn you into Rain Man. <laughs> right. And that whole scene was, I don't know, it's just it, the powerlessness I do like that they kept that consistent where he got to do his heroic act and save somebody, but ultimately he still is called back and held prisoner by the cube. There's no escaping the cube, whether you escape or not. Sounds confusing when I say it like that. Yeah, this is, we're in the friggin' cube verse, baby. People ain't getting out alive. And when you get out, what are you? Well, you go, you go hang out with your kid, which you think is, is direct. Dog You're like, shit. ugh. Absolutely. This dog. woman loves what her was the, daughter no, so No, what much. was that kid? So, so the child was, uh, anyway, so she was brought, she was put on a, she was she was brain surgery, she was put on a, a gurney bed, she was rolled into the cube, spent hours in the cube. This child was just hiding in the woods for days? It seems like the kid must be hiding in the woods a lot because they're in opposition to the government. And of all the things to strain your credulity, you can't imagine a child hiding in the woods for a weekend. Yes, that's, that is exactly what I'm saying. I don't think you know what you're saying. I am saying. On the Rotten Tomatoes page for, for Cube Zero, it's recommending that I also might like The Pumpkin Carver with a K. Cool. Let's watch that next. The Pumpkin Carver. No, my hope, my, my, my problem with the child is that she is so unnecessary. Like, I do not need to like, why is the fact that she's a mother make her any more valuable as a heroine than if she were just a person? Because there's stakes because she, the, 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 the point is that Wynn is looking at someone who like has a life and then she is something to fight for and she is something to lose and she has responsibilities. But and everyone does I, that. I, 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 everyone has something to lose. And I, I think that's why this movie would have been successful even more if, it had just been the lack of a consent form that had made him go a little bit like, wait, what? Where's the consent form? I like this idea that they watch over and over again, people getting ripped apart, boiled apart, melted apart. And it's the fact that there's a piece of paper that's not in her file. But hold on. It's makes not him... just the kid. I mean, I, I, th- th- that's. I think you're making that out like that's still a part of the movie, that there's this bureaucratic error that right. triggers this decision. I'm just saying. Coupled with the realization about it's the ultimate you know, finale of everyone's cube experience. I don't know. I, I think you're making a lot of hay out of this. I don't, I don't agree with you. Okay. Well, I just think this movie would have been better without the kid. I didn't like the kid. I didn't like the forest. Uh, I didn't like the pond. The, the kid thing is hysterical. Anyone who has not seen this will think that you're talking about this like massive segment. Right, of the but movie. that's it's the like problem seconds is that of screen she's time. introduced oh my God. with a kid. The movie then <sighs> happens and then the kid returns as though she's just been chilling like playing okay playing listeners of the show understand what charles is like just file this under one of those charles things yeah add it to the portfolio fine next is consent form to being on the show hey here's a fun crazy credit the the fish is named zero and played himself that's very cute you like that we see a friggin a friggin fish in the coffee mug coffee mug coffee jug what do they call this urn carafe Mm, yeah, craft is a great word. Yeah, that's a nice one. Uh, but it's a pretty good symbolism, huh? Friggin' uh, right, we're all you know, the song Zero by Smashing Pumpkin. Of you know, course, all my rage, I'm still just a red. So, I mean, the the fish in the in the craft. Do you think that was the original song? Despite all my rage, I was I'm still just a fish in a carafe. I for sure. I think if they had an actual rat in the cage, it would be a bit much. But I do like that. You know. The fish in the you could craft. imagine there being one. A fish in a craft is, I think, brilliant. Despite all my rage, I no, I think rat in a cage. It rhymes with. Well, that's I think the big part of what people like about that. Yeah, song. I just realized that because then you need to come up with a different. Despite all my, what would you even do? What rhymes with carafe? Giraffe. Despite all my giraffes. Despite all my grafts. 
Just oh, graphs. Maybe he's a math guy. I mean, we know he's a math guy. He's a freaking chessman. Okay, so Charles, we're getting towards the end of not just this movie and it's our, our indefatigable coverage of that, but the series at large. Um, at this point, I still got six hundred milliliters of water left. I'm not doing well. Look at this. Look at this. What? But there's no there's no one putting pressure on you to drink that in a certain manner I at a certain speed. I'm just decided to drink all of this before we finish recording. Well, you've done a, a piss poor job of that. I'm gonna do. Um, a, I'm gonna do a piss you, good job later, though. I, at this rate, from what you've shown me with your water drinking, I have no reason to believe that he's chugging right now. <laughs> okay, so Charles, oh, and up my about, nose. Setting aside the talk of a, of a Cube remake, which obviously we're both very excited. What if that was one of the Cube <laughs> things? That like, there's water in your sinus, and you're like, no! Yeah, it, it's also, you know, because I just needed to chug water for no reason. Yeah, what if, like, Petty Cube was one of the, the sequels? Like, in this room, it's just a little too warm. It's damp, so like your it's, socks it's, get it's wet. It's really annoying, yeah. yeah. Gotta get me out of this cube. There's a puddle of liquid on the floor, but you can't tell what kind of liquid it is. So <laughs> stuff like that. I like th- it. Was, that's this one, right? That opens with him being like, oh, "It's water. It's water." And he starts licking his, his the water off him, and then turns out to be a disgusting ooze, and he just drips apart. Oh, so sick! Yes, that is the movie we just saw. Yes. Okay, so putting aside talk of the Japanese Cube remake, because I think we'll have to. What well, I want to deal with that on its own terms down the line, and we're not there yet. No. If someone said, "Charles, there's a Cube Four. Are you at this point asking when will it end? No. You, you gave me the thumbs up while you said no. Right. This means I'm in. <laughs> it means I love Cube. So no, I'm not asking. It's a sort of a complicated question because the negative means it's a positive feeling. It's sort of like this whole dang year, Josh, I've been talking about positive COVID tests. Okay. So no, thumbs up. I'm not asking when will it end. I like me some Cubes. I... That's the thing. You could do any. I'm surprised there aren't 10 Cube movies. You can do anything with the Cube. Yeah. And I think the fact that that Cube is such a classic sandbox opener and two takes it to such bizarre extremities and three expands the world in a way that I think really works for the broader Cube experience. It's gotten a great workout. And, you know, again, it's been 17 years since Cube Zero. I similarly am kind of taken aback that there has not been more Cube activity and the the budgets on these are clearly not much. No. So I don't know. I, I guess, you know, I'm with you. I'm not asking them to water. Great. If there was a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, I think it would take a really fucking terrible Cube movie to get me off the scent. Because I'm going to go ahead and say it. This easily ranks in the best series we've ever covered for the show. Yeah. All I, three movies bring a different experience to one idea that absolutely. I like. And it's really, 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 really impressive. It's weird to me. I'm not knocking the Sawverse, which we will do. We were going to do it last year, but because of the COVID, we couldn't. But it's it's weird to me that that has nine and this only has three. To me, if you're going to make a Saw movie, you might as well just make a Cube movie, too. Well, hold on. You're comparing apples and oranges because, as we'll talk about, the multiplier on the first Saw movie is one of the most insane multipliers in film history. And I'm sure these movies did not do bad and probably thrived in home video. But, like, Saw did numbers that are so crazy. It made over $100 million on a million-dollar budget or something. Right. And these, I mean, again, they're Canadian, so... We in in the American states are already looking a little bit suspiciously at this. Well, interestingly, actually, um, Saw came out basically the same week as Cube Zero in in October 2004. So you think that maybe the Sawverse sort of just picked up the Cubeverse in its arms, swallowed it like a babe and ran it through the next 20 years? I mean, clearly this general theme played into uh, Saw. Okay, no, it looks like the original Saw was a short movie made in 2003 before the major one in 2004. Anyways, we'll get into Saw stuff later. But uh, Yeah, we will. I mean, th- this is so much more of a cerebral experience than Saw, too, because like I think the, the Saw experience comes away from people leaving the theater and going like, oh, my God, when they put the bear trap in his friggin' anus, you know? Uh, this is more like, oh, my God, the, the, the concepts of the labyrinth explored by Cube are uh, chilling. You know, right. It's not quite the same thing. No, that was actually – we're going to get to Most Valuable Death in just a second. Um, but I think that's what I liked about the second one so much about Hypercube is that you're not, you're not leaving Hypercube going, wow, th- that was some cool special effects or wow, that was like insane when that guy's 
whatever did whatever, you're more just like, oh, wow, they really got the idea of like Groundhog Day meets Saw, where it's like, oh, we're just like understanding the how much toll it takes to be a part of this murder machine. And I think here we get a little bit of both. We get some like some of the best special effects. I'm not even going to quantify. Like these are the best special effects this, this franchise has seen. And you still leave with more about Quinn and Dodd and Jax being like what I'm thinking about when I leave Cube Zero. Yeah, though it does that back to basics thing. At the end of the day, it is actually, fortunately, the ideas that prevail for the most part. Yeah. Um, so most valuable death, I'm actually going to pull uh, – I, I want to pair the, up the most valuable death with the movies ranked mm. because I think that there's an important dynamic there. I am going to go 2 three, one. I think Cube Hypercube presents like the single craziest idea in the entire series that I think is the coolest thing ever is the realization that by the end of Cube 2, Simon has been alive for like a thousand years as like a fucking murderous psychopath mowing down people just and is eating people. Yeah. That's so cool and awesome. Like, and not what, what a brilliant, like, like not hit hard over your head right it's it plays perfectly into the world and, and like it's so chilling that like this guy's lived a lifetime we'll never see in the in the hypercube <laughs> where he's just been killing jerry's odd infinitum that's amazing so i think th- that that's the pinnacle of the series for me as an idea three to me is kind of like the rogue one effect where the existence of three makes one even better like the, the ending of three which is a direct recreation of the beginning of one uh where we see the mentally disabled or, or mentally handicapped character who it turns out has been t- be t- turned into that because of his assistance uh, with, with the escape in, in the movie. Uh, it raises so many questions about one and it makes you want to start the whole right. series all over again. So, you know, one gets that beautiful sandbox award for being the perfect beginning, like the entryway to this larger idea. But it is to me ultimately that. So, so you're th- this is like a Shrek experience for you where the first one. Oh, absolutely. Sets it up. And then the other two just like keep it coming. The first one's like, what? What exactly are we trying to do here? And then it explodes from there, where that you can do a whole lot, and they really take you there. I read a, a bit of trivia about this movie that suggests that when uh, Reigns tells the child that while they are superheroes, so is Quinn. Win. Win. Sorry, I keep calling him Quinn. Not sure why. Quinn could be the Bob Dylan song "Quinn the Mighty Eskimo." That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm only at 550. This is crazy. It's not going to happen. You need to move on from the water thing. Please finish your anecdote <sighs> with the hated child. Um, the A bit of trivia, which I can't believe was published on IMDb, to be honest, uh, suggests that the hand shape that Wynn at the end of this movie makes is supposed to look like Spy- Spider-Man's web slinging. Yeah. Right. Which makes him, too... A superhero, which I find to be complete batshit crazy, given that he is obviously the brain man. Who cares? It's if if, if it's a cute little wink, I'll take it. If not, whatever. You love a little wink. You love. This. I love a little wink. I love a little nod. So okay. So um, with my rankings. Well, and then let me finish it out because I was going to pair best death with that. At the end of the day, to balance my rankings with a celebration of the original cube. I don't think there's a better death in Cube than the first death when they cube that motherfucker with the goddamn wires. It is iconic. It is unforgettable. It is how you start a series. No, but I need also need a best. I need a most valuable death for Cube Zero in addition to. Oh, specifically for Cube Zero. Yeah, well, that's a, um, it. Is confusing. We do in the final episode of it's com- each it's verse, concubesing. right? Uh, we we do both series MVP. And movie MVP, as well as, in this case, series MVD uh-huh. and franchise MVD. So we also need a series MVP, and I also need your Cube Zero MVD. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we can maybe just move past this at this point. Um, the, in the movie, I mean, the freaking guy melts at the beginning. That's that's about as awesome as it gets. The guy dang old melts. What's interesting is out of the... Three of your four MVDs have been the first Ds shown in the film. Throw some Ds on. Yeah, I think that's just uh, they, they like to kick the door open. Right. So you like you like Ridgekin melting by acid. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Fucking rule. His freaking body bl- dumps out of his dang shirt. <laughs> My favorite shot was I watched it again was just like seeing that his toes like two of his five toes on his left foot were just blob rather than toe anymore. <laughs> 
was... Actually, hold on. Maybe the Sonic Blast exp- like body vaporizer, that was pretty dope. <laughs> well, that's mine. Okay, I'm going to just go through the deaths <laughs> because uh, I actually really got into the... This is... If you're a fan of the death by death by death type horror movie, I definitely recommend you check out some Cube Zero because not only is it a philosophical treat in the Kafka-esque journey, it's also uh, just has like some amazing deaths. So we start off with a guy being melted by acid, which he thinks is water and drinks it and just turns it into a puddle. Um, Bartok is the guy that's cut up into pieces to sort of mimic the first movie quite well. I think this one is more successful. But I like that you ultimately gave your series MBD to the first movie, which sort of like created that whole idea of a human being cut up into little parts. Uh, Owen doesn't believe in God and gets burned at the hands of uh, those two two morons in the cube room. Uh, so this is where it gets sort of confusing. Jellico becomes drugged and then is infected by a necro something disease. Which yeah, is, they give her some sort of flesh-eating virus, and she sort of begins to turn into a Resident Evil and zombie. this is cool, which is then contagious and passed on to Meyerhold, who not only is just falling apart in front of everyone, but is also picked on by the two remaining people, by Haskell and Reigns, and then thrown down a hole and blown up by a sound. Yeah, that's pretty sick. Which he, he, he has earned by MVD, not just because he is basically afflicted by multiple death scenarios... Um, his is also the coolest looking, and it is also, I think, the most important for the Cube people. Shows the journey of Haskell sort of taking on the role of the character from the first movie. He becomes a fascist overlord. Quentin, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really liked him. Um, and then Haskell is uh, kicked in the balls. Kicked in the balls. Falls over. And then vaporized. <laughs> I like that... Um, to believe that that I, I'm not thinking this is a goof. I just like that Jax um, gives Haskell this uh, this like superpower, but still he is susceptible to a good old fashioned kick in the balls, where he's like pain inhibitors on max. You can do whatever you want in there, and then he gets kicked and he just falls over out of the picture. Well, hold on, you know, s- society may advance in absolutely incredible ways, scientifically speaking. Okay. But you get a, a fellow square in the friggin' nads? <laughs> Good lord. Game over, bud. Bye. Cube zero. Yeah. Cube zeroed out those nuts. Right. Uh, Dodd, uh, sorry, I skipped over Dodd, who is, who is blown in the face with a pen and then brutally cut apart just to get a piece of machinery out of his belly. But yeah, Meyerhold is fucking awesome. He blows apart and all's left is his dumb little clothes. He was also a really annoying character. Not annoying in a bad way, just like he's a perfectly annoying dumb dumb. And you really want him to get blown apart. So yeah, aces. Um, my series MVD. I think I'm gonna also go with Cube Zero just because there was some really good shit in there. Um, I I gotta give it to Owen for me. Him g- being asked if he believes in God and then is is torched to death by the two just pencil pushers. I think is like a perfect summation of the best you could hope for if you're a part of the cube. Uh, hey, this is Charles. Just got to stick this in here uh, because Josh told me to shut up when I tried to do my rankings. Um, but I guess I, I was also interrupting him. It was This whole episode has been a little confusing, but um, I will be putting my rankings in here very briefly because I know that you might care. I don't even know. Um, I, I went from best to worst, two, one, three. Uh, two took a great series and turned it into something amazing. One is, I think, a perfect contained uh, horror movie that just really brought out a lot of great ideas. And three had a shitty kid in it, so gets third place. What a fucking great series. I'm really sad to yeah. leave the cube. I, I love these movies. This has been one of the best. Yeah. I think so. For all my shortcomings of this third one, I still think it's awesome. I, I really liked it, it was super fun. Um, with If I just made my own edit and cut out the kid, it's a fucking perfect movie. So that's it. Um, yeah, who's like your s- ten seconds of the movie cut out, it'd be right. perfect. So, yeah. Uh, who's your series MVP? That's a great question. It's kind of tough because there's so many different ways to explore that idea. I guess to to give official recognition on the books, I'll make it Simon Grady because of the lifetime of Cube serial killings. What a cool character tucked into the series. I, I, I want to give him some sort of recognition. Yeah. So, I think that as an idea 
is so chilling and cool. And then also the larger idea of like, does he kill the woman because he's supposed to kill her the whole time? Or like, does that whole espionage element of it, I think, is well done. And again, reminds me of that moment in possession with the socks. That's so the most upsetting part of the movie to me somehow. So right. Simon Grady, congrats, buddy. I like I like uh, his take on the seems like a bad guy and is in fact very bad. We do this often, but he's also my. I think he's the best. Like without him, Cube Hypercube would have been silly and not really all that effective. He brought the he brought the energy up to ten, maybe even eleven. I don't know. And he kept it there. And he fucking is the face of the Cube movies for me. Dang. To answer your question earlier about like whether Mask and One will it end, I already answered that question. But what I love is that there's so much room for the behind-the-scenes bullshit to create plots for these movies to keep continuing. Like, I want to see a sequel to the Hypercube now because I'm I'm not particularly curious about how this whole thing works, but I am curious about seeing a movie about Darcy, you know? Like, I, I think there's so much room for this movie to keep growing outward and outward without actually answering anything that you could just keep making Cube movies every year and me, a happy Wow. Boy. I'm at five. Look at you, and then triumphantly looking at your jar of liquid. Uh, and with that, we say a fond farewell to the Cubeverse. And uh, we hate to see it go. We love it very much from our hearts to the world. Charles, what is next for us? What what movie series are we diving into next? Well, you know, I mentioned Shrek earlier. You sure did. He's the, the jolly green ogre who has layers. And he's married to Fiona. And his friend is a donkey. Better out than in, I always say. <laughs> wow. I just say that now. I just say that at dinner. Every time I fart or burp, I realize the implication of that is that Shrek prefers to burp than to eat. Well, I think he's saying there's a sort of satisfaction one gets from a really good belch that can make a a normal meal into an excellent belch. Huh. Interesting. I read it as it's better when it comes out than when it went in because it's a comparative and you're comparing out and ins. And he thinks out's better than in. And he's allowed to. It's a free country in far quad land. Okay. Charles, what is our next series? Enough of this business. We decided it was time to go back to a little animated world where we are going to not look at ogres and donkeys and gingerbread men, but cars and cars and planes. Oh, my God. We're doing and it. And planes and cars. We're friggin' in the dang cars verse now? <laughs> it's coming. We're really hitting the seas this year, huh? Yeah. Wait, cars, cubes. What else we got? I'm just saying, it's a one-two punch of C-series. Okay, two C-series. Yeah, and you know what? We're, we got some special... We, we got a... Not, I don't know why I was going to pluralize that. Uh, Jesse is going to be a big part of the Carvers because he... Is a car. Well, he showed himself to be the expert in the Fast and the Furious verse. And we thought, what better guy to bring his knowledge of cars to a, a franchise literally called Cars? So Jesse uh, J- PK is going to be... Back on the show, starting next week as our in-house car expert. Well, all I can say is he better be good. Yeah, I don't know that you like him. Is that you? Do you like him? Do you want him? I didn't really run this by you that well. Do I like him? Um, it's gonna be good. You want him on the show? You want? I think I I deal with him. Yeah, you know, and he's not a he's not a subscriber. He's not a Patreon subscriber. Well, that's just insulting, right? If you're a guest on a podcast. He should be a subscriber. Yeah. Well, it's a lot to think about. And to all of our listeners, thank you for listening through the Cube series. I miss it already. And, uh, you know, Dios mios, baby. I, if I wake up in the Cube next to you someday. What are you going to do? Uh, I'll probably uh, probably push you into a trap, if I'm being honest. I like how at this point, like, booting <laughs> is such a part of this the world that in Cube Zero, it opens with booting. And you're like, that motherfucker's booting. I'm like, we have a system, and it's booting. <laughs> Everyone's Hypercube like, opened with booting, too. Yeah. It was a little more subtle, but yeah, the guy, the first guy you see, he doesn't have one of his shoes. I love it. It's so fucking good. I love these movies. Uh, I'm going to probably watch Cube again very soon. I think, as you said, going one, two, three just invites you to go right back to one. I think it's, while I'm waiting for another Cube movie, it's, it's a perfect cycle to keep me going and going and going for years. Uh, join us next week for Cars 1. Call him the Carsoning. Right. And um, also, I mentioned the Patreon show, patreon.com slash WWIE podcast. We have a very special episode coming up this week. Um, we're already on like episode 20 or something crazy. So if you're not subscribed to that, please do it. We are celebrating the fifth anniversary of the first time that Josh and Charles watched Jobs together. 
It is going to be a treat. And if you don't know Jobs, it is the Ashton Kutcher tour de force biopic about friggin' Steve Jobs. Yes, the man who made probably your little phone you're listening to this dang podcast on. He's smarter than you. He's better than you. He wore turtleneck. He did acid. He liked classical music. Um, (laughs) There's so much to know and love. And he had a complicated relationship with his daughter, which Jobs bravely does not even come close to looking at, which is great. And Aaron Sorkin and Danny Boyle made a really sour, unsatisfying movie about him, too, that absolutely is dog shit in the shadow of Jobs. You're going to want to join up. That's the last time we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to talk about the fucking Sorkin version. We're talking Kutcher only. Team Kutch. Yeah. Team Kutch. 2021 is the year of Kutch. Uh, we already predicted it. We've done three episodes, basically just about Ashton Kutcher. He will be taking over something this year, and we're all just waiting. We're going to be a part of it. Cars, jobs, baby. We've got. Hey, five years ago we had cars and jobs. Now there's no cars, no job. Okay, this has been the show. Uh, please uh, don't find yourself in the cube. <laughs>